Do you have to track macros forever? Well, that's the question that I'm asking Marissa Roy, who is a fitness coach. We met through our Core Nutritionals connection, but she is challenging the cookie cutter approach to fitness and basically changing your mindset and giving you sustainable lifestyle changes. We have very similar approaches and her and I have both basically gone down that rabbit hole of just how far macro tracking can take you and when it can be borderline obsessive. Hey y'all, I'm Taylor DeHaze. I'm obsessed with all things fitness and business. I left my career as a TV reporter after 10 years to start my own fitness coaching company. I was so tired of seeing people struggle with disordered eating and misguided weight loss information. Think of this as your one-stop shop for training, nutrition, and success while navigating through life. Grab a cup of coffee, get cozy, and get ready to learn and laugh. Again, welcome to the Taylor Living Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello. Are you still drinking coffee? I was uh, just about a minute ago. I'm almost done. <laughs> what was your uh, coffee over, wait, cardi- coffee over cardio? Cardio and coffee? Yeah. What? <laughs> coffee over cardio. Wait. Yeah. Give your, give your yeah. discount code because I still need to try it. What, what is it again? It's like something long. I can't remember. Yeah. It's 10 Emroy Fitness. And I think it's an old cap. I don't know if it's case sensitive. But what is, yeah, it's uh, really What's your good. favorite flavor? Um... So that's a toss up between like, if I really need caffeine, I like the workflow because it's just, it's a double caffeine sort of coffee. So they like add that in Um, and it's a dark roast and I'm not always a dark roast person, but it really gets the job done. So I love that. Um, But as for flavor, probably the cinnamon bun. Mm, You can't go wrong with anything cinnamon ever. Yeah, never. Cool. Well, Marissa, you've been coaching for, what, five or so years now? How long have you been in business? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to go technical, I've been personal training for five years and then online coaching for uh, about four and a half, yeah. Cool, and so, you know, Marissa and I met because of Core Nutritional. As you guys know, I love Core products. They're amazing. I always, you know, promote them, especially to all my clients as well because I really do stand by the products. But more importantly, um, you know, just on social media, Marissa is somebody that I can always go to for quality content, um, legit content, science-based research, all of that. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about macros and when macros kind of become a, a Band-Aid. And, you know, one question that I get a lot from my clients, and maybe you do too, is will I have to track macros forever? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah so you know I'll, I'll let you talk on that and kind of you know because I I have a mix between people that have never tracked macros and people that do and I think like a good place to start might just be why are macros a good place to start what can they teach you yeah I have man I have gone back and forth with how I start clients off like and so many so many times um, so first first thing is you know do clients ask me, I guess that was your first question, do clients ask me, will I have to track macros forever? My answer is no, but only because I set up the expectation from the beginning. So my coaching is very much set up on the premise that I am not here to 
promote client retention forever and ever. So my main goal when I sign someone on for six months or for a year or even for three months is to make sure that they feel confident at the end of that package that they can carry out whatever they were doing with me for you know, as long as they want and, and feel confident in that and feel empowered to do that. And we usually do use tracking macros or at the very minimum tracking calories as uh, the method that we quantify their diet. But um, I set up the expectation that, you know, the last month, month and a half of our package, let's say if they, use, if they go for a six-month then they'll use the last four to six weeks with me working on just tapering off of tracking macros and not being dependent on those numbers, so not using them as a Band-Aid. So we set up that expectation from the beginning, and I'm kind of encouraging them all along the way as they're getting comfortable with weighing things out, knowing what portion sizes look like, to make guesstimations whether they are going out to eat or if they just want to see if they can eyeball a certain portion size every now and again. So really trying to keep it from becoming a Band-Aid rather than allowing it to become a Band-Aid and then having to rip it off. I agree with that. Um, you know, we kind of have same but different, right? It's like, you know, one of those uh, one of those situations. But mm-hmm. for me, um, I, I think it just depends on kind of like the clients that we get. But for me, I, I do have a lot of people that have tracked macros for a long time and they want to – eventually either have a few intuitive eating days or things like that. And I want to say, you know, what's normal and what's not? Because I don't want people to think that if they track macros forever, they have, like, a problem. I think it's the mm-hmm. people that are afraid to, you know, eat food without, like, a nutrition label. That, that, that becomes a problem, you know what I mean? Or let's say, yeah. I know this is a silly example, but, um, you know, years ago when I first started tracking macros, if like the batteries in my food scale died, I was like, oh, I, I just can't eat food. I can't eat, I can't do it. I can't eat food, right? I'm like, <laughs> that, that is a problem. Now I'm aware of that and I am very open and honest with my history of disordered eating and whatnot. But, you know, hypothetically, if you've been tracking macros for a while, I would say at least a few months, you know, you understand what things look like. Then if you go to a friend's house for dinner, you can like, eat whatever they cook, right? You can cook food together and guesstimate. Or if you go out to dinner, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I understand that that's about six ounces of chicken on my plate. I can track that and make it work. You know, um, you're great about posting restaurant types of foods and like macro hacks and things like that. Um, what I kind of want to talk about, because you do have a history of competing, is let's talk about why macros are important, though. Let's say for a competitor post-show, right? Like when those hunger cues are kind Mm -hmm. of wonky and you still need some kind of guidance, because I do think that a lot of competitors go from, I've tracked everything for so long and like, you know, people schedule like vacations after their shows, which I never recommend. Um, You know, it's like, (laughs) so I'll let you kind of take the lead on that one. Yeah. And I kind of want to zoom out a little bit on that too, because you were talking earlier about how not every client will completely come off of tracking macros, right? right. And, you know, we, we work with different populations. And I think a majority of the people that I do work with maybe have never heard of a macro in their life. Um, and they're really just learning the foundations of nutrition. So, you know, we're using those tools to get them to a certain place with uh, nutritional knowledge. 
And then, you know, as soon as they're done, you know, they want to go back to whatever their normal was or as close to their new normal as possible. And so not using numbers is something that is desirable for them. But I do get a lot of people who, and, you know, this includes competitors, but it's also just a population of more advanced or, you know, very, I guess, fitness-minded individuals who really enjoy this process and are very invested in their own fitness journeys for the long run, um, you know, at a, at a more advanced level, I guess I, I would say. Those types of people who, who, write, who like the data, they, you know, I tell them that we can get you away from tracking macros, but it ultimately has to be your decision. It has to be something that you want. And if I am pushing you towards, hey, don't track this, don't track that, but they enjoy tracking, but it doesn't cause them stress. I think that's where the fine line is. You know, we need to be able to find what that middle ground is for most people. You know, is it tracking five days out of the week instead of seven? Is it implementing a free meal here and there, uh, but staying pretty much on, on quote-unquote plan the rest of the time? Is it tracking unless they're going on a trip where on that trip they'll kind of use their guesstimation skills? And if they're okay with that and they're comfortable with that, like you said, that's where we want to get somewhere where if they don't have their food scale, that they can, they can still function and they can still make good choices and they're not going to freak out and just say, ah, screw it, I'm not going to eat a single vegetable this whole trip just because I don't have a food scale. Well, and that's, so, that's the caveat too, right? Like the finding, the finding your balance, which is so different for everybody. Like I guarantee you, if you and I talked about like what we did, you know what I'm saying? Just personally, yeah. you probably have very different approaches to how we go about um, eating and things like that. And not to say, again, I, I want to put this disclaimer out. We're not saying that if you track macros seven days a week, uh, and you're not a competitor that you have a, a disordered eating pattern, right? That's not what we're saying. Yeah. But if if you cannot go out to eat or eat food that is not in Tupperware and you are not, you know, about to step on a stage, that is where I would kind of reflect, right, and ask yourself, do I have a little bit of food anxiety? You know, does going out to dinner give me a little bit of anxiety? Um, and, you know, like you mentioned, the five days a week, like I have clients, I'm sure you do too, where – you know, they can handle like one or two intuitive eating days. Or maybe yeah. you have a structured refeed versus a refeed. Maybe, you know, I have, I have a lot of clients where a refeed day is hard at first because they don't really know how to do it. You know, I had a, a girl one time tell me that on her refeed day, she was like, oh, I have like a Hershey's bar. And I was like, wait, that's not a, that's not a refeed. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you had a candy bar and didn't track it, but like, that's not, <laughs> that's not what I tried to do. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, I will actually give my clients um, like tips where it's like, okay, so I want you to go out to dinner. I want you to have an untracked meal, but here's what, here's some guidelines. Like let's have one entree and a dessert or maybe one entree and a glass of wine. And when you go home, the goal is to not like raid your pantry. You know what I'm saying? And like people that have that food phobia um, or that like that fear of uh, being uh, hungry, you know, hunger cues is, is usually playing a role into that, right? If somebody's you know, live forever restricting, 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 they, there's like that fear of, you know, I, I got to hoard food, I got to get it in now, right? And I think, you know, retraining that mind and figuring out, hey, what are your weaknesses? What does balance look like for you? And then how can I best serve you? And I'm sure that's kind of what you do as well. Yeah, absolutely. And to not get too far off track, um, your, your question about competitors, I did, mm -hmm. I, I really don't have much to add on that last 
point. I think I pretty much agree with, with all of that. I think you definitely work with more populations who I think have more food anxiety, whereas I'm working with more of the introductory population where they don't really understand healthy eating. And for you, it's kind of creating the balance of, of allowing someone to relax and be okay with the uncertain, whereas I am more so working with people on getting them to become more certain and then sure. not, letting, not letting that take over their life. Um, and not letting it get to a place where they develop the anxiety that comes along with, you know, some neurotic tendencies. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting how those things will kind of overlap eventually. But um, could you repeat the question on competitors so that we yeah. stay on your on your track yep. here? <laughs> yep. No, I know. I, I really like the caveats, honestly, and that's, that's, the, that's the problem when we're, like, very invested in this all the time. Um, there's so many tips and tricks. But, no, yeah, so – for, for competitors, obviously, we track macros to a neurotic point, right? Like, there mm-hmm. is – obviously, that is not a normal thing, competing, stepping on stage. Unnormal like – you're not naturally that lean normally. It's a very uncomfortable position. You've been there. I've been there. Now, mm-hmm. after that show is over, as much as you would like to just say, I'm not going to track anything for a while because I'm so sick of it, that's not usually how that works. So I want to talk about, for a competitor – somebody who is in and out of shows frequently, do you, how, I guess, how do you balance tracking macros after the show versus like, uh, you know, regaining those hunger cues and kind of sticking through it? You know, like the first four to 12 weeks after a show, I think are sometimes harder than the actual show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I guess the first thing that I will do with someone is I definitely tell them, hey, on the night of your show and on Sunday, the day after, because usually shows are on Saturday if they're not, whatever right. the day after is, um, you know, eat what you want. Do not use a tracking app. I don't want you to, like, be looking at numbers. I just want you to enjoy and just kind of live it up and crush those cravings, right? Because in all reality, you're – you're not going to offset an energy deficit that much with two days. And so with, especially with competing when you're that lean and it's that extreme, your body goes on overdrive, it metabolizes all of that food. Usually you'll hit a new low weigh-in within a week of the show just because you had that gigantic refeed the day after. And I've never really seen a problem with being able to just kind of go free on Saturday, Sunday, if they're not as lean as I'd like them to be, Sunday's kind of like a, hey, don't track, but, like, enjoy some things, but also don't make yourself sick. Um, Which is hard Saturday. because, honestly, you haven't had those foods in so long. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, like, you'll, they'll probably still be very full, but, yeah. you know, the, it's not, like, making them truly hate themselves by the end of that day. No, no, I'm um, with you. Yeah, but Saturday, I'm just kind of like, green light, do what you want. Um, it's, you know, it's, and it's going to end up being fine. Right. And most of the time when you give someone that sort of green light, they end up not even going as crazy as if you had said like, Oh, keep it, keep it controlled. It's that whole reverse psychology thing. Um, if I but either way, I'm a coach not to like eat whatever the hell I wanted the day after a show, I would be very confused. Yeah, unless there's, like, a show, like, the next week or something. Right, unless you're, like, doing another <laughs> show. But, yeah, no, please enjoy your life. Eat some damn cake the next day. Mm-hmm. Continue. Yeah. Yeah, so then as for the next, especially the first week after the show, 
um, you know, having gone through it a couple of times myself, it is just incredibly hard to really stick it to numbers. Um, like you were in prep, even on a reverse diet, numbers are a lot higher. So the first thing I try to do for someone is their initial jump in calories needs to be higher than yeah. what what someone might expect, right? So if someone is dieting on, I don't know, let's say 50 grams of carbs and 50 grams of fat and, you know, a bunch of protein, but, you know, that's negligible. Let's not talk about that. Um, and that was the end of their prep. I'm not going to say, okay, let's start reverse dieting. Here's 75 carbs. And yeah, it's no. like, you know, have at it. You know, someone, someone like that is probably going to be eating, you know, at least 150, probably going to triple that. Um, yep. And def- definitely increasing fat by 10 or maybe 15 or even 20 grams because fat is so satiating. And so, you know, we need to make sure that this person has the resources to curb cravings with, you know, and, at the first week after a show, maybe it's not the most um, indulgent thing that they can fit in their macros, but it's something that will at least kick their curb, craving to the curb for a little bit because we have to get through those first couple of weeks being a little bit more regimented um, and, you know, keeping things as much in check as possible. Another thing that I'll do too is I will utilize either high-carb days or an untracked meal each week in order to keep motivation in check. So, you know, if you have reverse diet macros with kind of no end in sight um, and no kind of, you know, a, no ability to kind of press a reset button or to just kind of relax for a night, you know, then that that can be really hard to, to stick to the numbers and to stick to your plan. And so what I'll try to do is I'll try to plan in some some a meal or even a day, depending on the competitor, right? Because if they're very lean or maybe if they're a dude, right, their metabolism is different. And just trying to implement some flexibility that they'll expect and look forward to that will keep them motivated to stick to the other days. Um, and, you know, also giving them the reminder that, you know, if, if not tracking macros is an end goal of yours in this off season, then we're going to get you there. But this is a part of that process. Well, and I think, too, like, that just takes time, right? You know, and I know for me, and I'm sure you, too, I feel like we all get into fitness um, because we, we've overcome something related to it, right? And so, you know, mm-hmm. just thinking about my own journey, untracked meals were something that I did not know how to handle, you know, TBT to calling them cheat days. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, was, that was my mentality 10 years ago. Um, and I'm so glad that I overcame that. But for me, you know, and, and thinking about competing now, it's kind of a different story because, uh, like you said, it's, if a competitor wants to get to that point of being an intuitive eating or an intuitive eater, rather, they're going to have to learn what it feels like, again, to repair those hunger cues. Because at the end of prep, yeah. you're starving all the time and you're eating to hit your macros because you can't eat to feel full. So, and even like, you know, it takes two to six months for those hormone levels to even get back to normal, depending on your, your dieting phase, right? So, I mean, um, you know, I feel like no matter how much food you give a competitor after a show, while they feel better mentally, there's, they could probably always eat a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like that, that full satiety level is, is hard to reach at first. And so I think that um, incorporating 
you know, refeeds, like you said, or maybe back-to-back refeed days. Maybe one of them you kind of track and the other one you kind of, like, enjoy something out at a restaurant. Um, but I guess my my end game was that, you know, a lot of competitors think that, like, there is no end in sight, even if it is, like, competition mm-hmm. season reverse, competition reverse. Like, they're always tracking so many things. And then when those people kind of transition into, like, the non – you know, comp world, they kind of don't know how to, how to, you know, fumble around, right? Like that's, that's what I see happening a lot with competitors is is that they identify as a bodybuilder. They're afraid to let it go. And they also have that macro mindset where they, they just can't drop it. So I I just wanted to know your success with, um, you know, kind of helping coach competitors to that intuitive eating lifestyle, or even if it is just a few days a week. Yeah, yeah. I I don't work with a lot of competitors. Um, I've had I think at this point maybe three. But I mean it's a constant struggle. I mean and, and I've had a lot I think I have more experience with friends who are competitors and their testimonies and kind of like right. talking with them and relating with them than I do with clients per se. But um yeah, I mean, you're never gonna be full. It's just it's just how your hormones work. Everything well, you is can talk about right. you even, you know what I mean? Because I know you've competed, yeah. so you've been through it. Yeah, I mean, everything's going to be under-regulated or over-regulated. And yeah, with myself, too, uh, the, the reverse is always the hardest part. I remember the first week of my first reverse diet was um, just absolutely insane. I had no idea what had come over me, but I felt like I had this insatiable hunger, and I was just ravenous all the time and I had never felt anything like that in my entire life um but I think I I personally have done a really good job with my reverse diets um in in my competition history um just because I have heard of you know horror stories and people who kind of just like balloon up after shows because they didn't have any sort of structure or regimen and so I kind of used that fear to keep myself in check, which I don't know if that's the best thing or not, but it worked for me. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I think one of the biggest things that you can really do when you are reverse dieting out of a show is get, give yourself some grace because at the end of the day, the goal is to gain weight back. And, you know, it's going to Wait, what? Um, the goal is to gain weight back. yeah and so you know whether or not it comes back on in three months six months a year or two weeks it's all going to come back at some point Um, and we can obviously determine how much of that is going to be fat how much of that is going to be muscle and how well it's distributed because you know the faster that weight comes on the more it's going to kind of come on in pockets and in unfavorable ways and we want to slow that rate of gain down so that it kind of just comes over, comes on as a film, right? And we don't want it to be um, excessive. But, you know, at the end of the day, the goal is to gain weight back. And so as long as you're keeping that rate of gain slowed down to something that is manageable, then I think we're in a good place. And so not freaking out about, you know, gaining a pound in a week I think because you, you know, hit your macros five of the days, but then maybe that sixth day you really had to have that leftover cookie from your show day that was sitting in your freezer for six months, then, you know, if you went on that crate. Yeah, and that's the true story on my end. (laughs) (laughs) 
and, uh, you know, and if you can have that cookie or that half, like it, for me, it was, uh, those like pound heavy cookies. Oh, and yeah. so I had, I had half of one of those, one of the days of my reverse and I went over by however much it was. Right. And I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm going to have this because I've been craving it all freaking week. I don't yep. have a refill day, but I just really, really want it. And I'm going to move on. And when we are able to do that, give yourself some grace, allow yourself to, you know, give into that craving and not let that be an excuse to raid the rest of your pantry. And I think we're in a good place because at the end of the day, you know, those are a couple extra hundred calories at that point in your reverse diet are not going to affect you. Um, now, if this were a, a lifestyle client situation, maybe it's a little bit different because they didn't get as lean. Um, but in that context, you know, that's something that is absolutely, you know, we have to not let that you know, derail us for the rest of the reverse. You know, that's just something that we have to let go and be okay with and know that it's probably not going to affect our progress all that much. And we're probably going to have a great hump the next day. You know, I want to sit on that for just one second because that's something that I can relate to um, very well and something that I think I've actually used that exact phrase so many times in the last month or so, but giving yourself grace. Um, mm-hmm. Whether you're a competitor, whether it's a lifestyle, I'm kind of going to transition back to lifestyle, but I have a lot of clients who will come to me, again, I know it's slightly different from you, but Maybe they've tracked macros, maybe they haven't, whatever, but they've got this food anxiety and they've got some food in their head that is their trigger food, okay? Whatever it Mm -hmm. happens to be. Maybe it's pasta, maybe it's cookies, whatever, right? And they just like, I can't give up pasta. And I'm like, okay, well, well, we're not going to give that up. However, you're claiming that you're only eating about 1,300 calories a day, which you and I know that's not including the the two binges they had that week and all of that, right? But bottom line is when you first start out and you start reverse dieting a client, um, while I want to say, listen, we're going to get that pasta in, we're going to have some untracked meals, but for now we've got to make sure we're eating consistently, eating consistently. Um, And and it doesn't – it never fails. If you are somebody that binges or has food anxiety or restricts, you're not going to go from – three binges a week to none, right? My goal is Mm -hmm. to always go from, you know, just less, right? Or people that under eat, you know, the people that I don't, I don't get this. I can't relate, but I'm never hungry. I'm (laughs) never hungry. I'm never, I'm like, what do you mean you're never hungry? You know, I've, I've got a few clients right now who, you know, they've perpetually dieted forever and they think something is wrong with them because they are not hungry. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's just everyone has hunger cues differently, right? And for you, you have suppressed yourself for so long that your hunger cues are just dysregulated. So, you know, that's about getting your meal timing in check and all of that. But there are still days where I see, you know, 1,000 calories on, on the check-in sheet. And I'm like, okay, like, but I used to see that like four times a week, right? So it's like, giving yourself some grace. I'm sure you get it where a client's like, I had the worst, the worst week ever. And you're like, no, you didn't. There was one day that you were off. You know what I mean? Like give yourself some grace and that cookie I can totally relate to because I, you know, did an eight month prep and COVID and whatnot. And I still bought post quote post show treats thinking I was going to still have a show. So I definitely have like half pound cookies in my freezer right now. So I relate to that because, you know, (laughs) For every day that I track my macros 100%, even my refeed days, it's like, 
I should be able to say, you know what? It's a Wednesday. I really want to have a cookie. Who gives a shit if it's a little bit over my macros? Like you don't have to calculate everything. Your body is not a calculator. You know what I mean? Like if you go over a few hundred calories every so often, it's not a big deal. Now, if it becomes a habit, that's a different story. But I think being able to, you know, go grab a donut on a random Wednesday morning is so freeing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, your take on that, like what about your journey to, um, you know, eating like pho on a random night or sushi with your boyfriend or whatever, right? I feel like you have a great balance. How do you balance that? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I, at least for 2020, I pretty much – have been tracking everything and that just helps keep me in check. Um, and my, my targets are in a place where I can have those things. Um, and so for me, my balance is really, it's really just making things work and adjusting things throughout the day. So that if I know that we're going to be craving eating out on X, Y, and Z days of the week, which, you know, tends to be a couple of times a week, honestly, um, I just make it work. I, I, just make sure that I leave some room. And if it does put me, you know, five grams over my fat or ten grams over my carbs, then I'm like, all right, I'm really not stressed about that. Because at the end of the day, like what one thing that I do like to tell my clients a lot is when you're in a situation where maybe you're not tracking something to a T or maybe it's not as accurate as you would like because you're out with friends or maybe it's just not prepared by you plugging in something, let's say, you know, let's use tracking macros as an example. Plugging in something is always going to be better than plugging in nothing. Like what matters to me as a coach is that they account for something rather than just saying, oh, I can't track this, so I'm going to eat twice as much as I would have in the first place and, you know, going to just call it an effort day. And that's when there's a problem. But if you're able to say, okay, I can't track this. I have no idea, like, what's in it. But, you know, I'm going to assume that it's fairly dense in carbs and fat. And I'm just going to, like, log out 500 of my calories for what I'm consuming right now and then work the rest of my day around that. I think that is a very productive state of mind for someone who has macro tracking-related goals. Because, you know, at the end of the day, that is going to translate to a habit of saying, you know, maybe if you're not tracking macros down the road, maybe if you're not using numbers at all, you can still make those concessions and say, okay, I know that I had, you know, we, we stopped at Cracker Bell for breakfast and I had chocolate chip pancakes and sausage and two eggs. And I know that they also cooked that with oil and I also know that I used maple syrup. I know from my previous history of tracking macros but that's a lot of calories and I know that the rest of my day in order to maintain my weight over the long term is probably just going to have to be you know if we stop maybe it's a, a full day road trip right you stop at Cracker Barrel in the morning you're going to stop at drive throughs in the afternoon let's say if you stop at Chick-fil-A in the afternoon you know you're probably going to want to go for the grilled nuggets instead of the full sandwich and just you know making those concessions mentally rather than having to track them but that's where it starts right when you are tracking that's where it starts so I want to ask you you know because I honestly don't know but did you ever because I think that's all good right I think that the best way to look at that is for a client who has the all or nothing mentality that usually comes with somebody that has a little food anxiety not somebody who is green I feel Mm -hmm. like you get the client's 
pre-food anxiety, right? <laughs> which is great. Um, most of the time, yeah. The clients, yeah, and then I get the clients for the most part, which which I love because I can relate so heavily to it, but the clients who they restrict too much and then have no control, and if there is a food that's uncertain, for example, let's say you go out for a burger, they're not even mm-hmm. going to attempt to track it. They're just going to or, or leave room for it, right? Like I'm not saying you need to be like, uh, was it an 80-20 patty, uh, burger bun, pretzel bun or not? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't need to do anything like that. But, like, you know by now, if you've been tracking, that if you were going out to breakfast, lunch, or dinner for an untracked or, or a meal in general, it's probably higher in fats and carbs, right, unless you're intentionally ordering, like, a lean cut of meat or something, right? Like, most things that people crave, pizza, burgers, sushi with the sauces and whatnot, it's a higher in carb and fat type of meal, so I always say, you know, earlier in the day, do not go into your meal ravenous, right? Like eat your breakfast mm-hmm. like you normally would, eat your lunch like you normally would, and then go into dinner with like basically room. I'm not saying you need to macro hoard, but, you know, if you know you're having a burger and fries, you know, save eight 800 to 1,200 calories and, and be okay with that, right? Um, and just yeah. moderate your fats and carbs earlier in the day a little bit. Maybe you don't put peanut butter on your oatmeal that morning. Maybe you do egg whites instead of whole eggs, right? And then, then you're good to go at night. Um, but did you ever struggle with any kind of food anxiety or food phobias? Like, I just want to know kind of what your background is with that. I wouldn't say phobias, but definitely, like, learning how to be okay with estimating eating out. Um because I wasn't always in the relationship that I am now. So that was about two years ago. Actually, I think we're coming right up on two years very soon. Um, But before that, I was very much very deep into bodybuilding. Um, And I actually met my current boyfriend right after my, the last show that I did. So my transition into being able to do things like I do now it's been a it's been a two year process to get to the headspace that I am now, and you know, letting go of a lot of those smaller details was always something that I was basically constantly working on. Because as soon as I was done with my show, um, I met the friend group that I hang out with currently, and uh, I met them at my gym actually. And you know, once I was basically you know two to three weeks post-show when we started going out to eat or having social events. And I was like, holy crap, how do I do this? I haven't done this in four years. I don't even know. Like, have I ever done this? And so, yeah, there was definitely food anxiety. There was definitely just nerves overall regarding making things work. Um, I think in the beginning, I turned down a little bit more, more opportunities than I would now because I know how to handle those things now. Um, and so kind of slowly bringing those things into my life and, um, you know, just honestly doing my best. And I look at it from the perspective of, and if I'm telling a client about this too, I look at it from the perspective of, you know, we can't live in our bubble forever. And while we love our bubble, and I still love my bubble of, you know, tracking my macros, eating all my own food, knowing exactly what's in it and knowing that when I hit my macros to a T, it's a hundred percent to a T. And I love that feeling. I think the, just the regimented structured type A person in me will always love that. And I also don't want people to think that that's not okay. Mm -hmm. But when we enter those situations of, 
you know, real life and having friends and having social events. You know, we have to keep the perspective that we can't be in our bubble forever. We have to live. And, you know, as cheesy as it is, you only get one life. You only get one, you know, one 10 years in your 20s or 30s or whatever it is. And you do have to live it up to an extent, right? And finding the balance that's going to make you happy both in your skin and your body comp and with your, you know, your social life and the concessions that you make to participate in those things, you have to find that happy medium. And so my goal over the past two years for myself has honestly been, and I'm looking at it right now on my desk, my 2020 goal setting literally says, maintain a body comp plus lifestyle balance that I am very happy. With. Yes, girl. Yes, and girl. it's, it has literally, it's always a goal. And it's something I think we're constantly striving for because sometimes yeah. you, you go a little too overboard and sometimes, you know, you're just being a little bit too anal and you have to constantly pull back and forth and kind of find your middle, middle ground all the time. I think that that's a great point to make for those people who at first feel like they are constantly struggling with macro tracking. You and I have a very extensive history with macros. We have also competed. So we have taken macros to the nth degree of being anal, right? Oh, yeah. So I get it. And for me, I am so with you. I went into this year. I started prep in December. And I said, you know, when this prep is over, I want to make this reverse diet better than my last one. I didn't do anything wrong per se, but I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I just want to incorporate more social events, right? Because I, yeah. I feel like the more you do it, the better you get. And people always ask me, well, how did, how did you get to the point where you could have like an untracked meal and not go home and binge or, or whatever, right? And it's like, I think practice, like you have to just practice oh, yeah. doing it. You literally have to practice going out to eat having pizza and then coming home and chilling, right? Like, or, you know, like not just raiding your pantry, but I think that also comes from just over time, meal timing, fueling your body in a better way, because I always feel that binging is stemmed from restriction in some capacity. And like you said about living your life, yeah, living your life in a better, in a better body, you know, I don't know about you, but like, I'm not, shredded all the time like I don't naturally have abs I'm not genetically gifted I have to be literally prepping before I have actual abs right and so for me my body's set point you know where I'm where my body is comfortable the spot that I can maintain have untracked meals is like you know not exactly what I would love year round but I think that people have this idea of this like very shredded version of themselves they don't know what that actually takes to get to right like all of the sacrifice all of the skip social events like the poor sleep the lack of sex drive um whether it's a lifestyle client or not like people want to be very shredded and then that's the instagram comparison trap and all of that but talk to you about how happy you are when you are actually at your body's natural set point and why that is so freeing to just be at that spot yeah absolutely and i think there's two sides of that, right? Because we're talking about, you know, we need to live life and we need to be flexible. And maybe that is five or 10 pounds heavier than we would ideally love to maintain. But then there's the other side of things where I think a lot of people, including myself, have taken this too far in the other direction. 
So, you know, when it comes to maintaining a healthy lifestyle balance, for most, I'm going to say most females, and I'm going to generalize because we have those outliers who can just eat hundreds and thousands of carbs and fats and be fine. But for most females, there are going to be concessions that you have to make most of the time to actually maintain that body fat at that point that you still feel very happy at, but it's not, you know, I think most people paint a picture, especially on social media, to to have it be something where like, oh, I'm not restricting, I'm eating what I want all the time. And that's just, you know, that's painting the wrong picture. It's just not the case. And so I think I use this example a lot when I'm talking about traveling because I tend to do a decent bit of traveling. And I'll say, you know, okay, when I go somewhere for, let's say, a long weekend, three days, we're probably going to eat out at least six times because we're just not, you know, eating out of a fridge, right? And I will give myself one of those meals to kind of indulge, not track, go over what my targets maybe might be. But five of those meals, I'm ordering, you know, a sirloin steak and a plain potato and a side of veggies. And I'm okay with that. And that is a balance that I have come to that allows me to maintain what I want and also eat those fun things every now and again. And so, I don't want to, I also don't want to paint the picture of like, oh, I'm so happy in my body comp. I, you know, I do whatever I want and I'm super flexible because the reality of it is, is that I am, you know, when I do travel or when I am flexible, 95% of the time, I'm still making those concessions of where I'm not getting a burger every single week or I'm not, you know, just eating three slices of pizza every Friday night. I really am embracing the lifestyle aspect of health and fitness where I am, you know, prioritizing my protein source at my meals. Uh, when I'm out to eat, I'm centering my meal around that protein source, um, you know, making the swap of, you know, a salad with a bunch of dressing for a side of steamed veggies instead. Um, and so I think for most people that are listening to this, they're most likely going to find their happy medium and their balance somewhere closer to that so even if they're not tracking they're still making those healthy trades and concessions most of the time and then allowing themselves that freedom every now and again Uh, but that's not to say that that's miserable I think that most people when they really do get to that point and their body comp is maintaining where they you know somewhere where they are comfortable or even where they want it it is a beautiful thing. You know, I have had clients tell me when they get to this spot that, you know, I never thought I would crave like a steak and a potato at going out to eat at a restaurant. Or I like, they'll tell me something like, I thought I was going crazy because I ordered a salad with dressing on the side the other day. And that's what I wanted. That's what I craved. And I've never been able to say that before. Or I've had a, a client tell me, you know, I, I don't feel good, you know, when I have sugary mixtures in my alcoholic beverages. So right now I just stick, I stick to, you know, straight liquor or I stick mm-hmm. to, um, you know, the seltzers and I feel great. And I've never been able to say, like, I enjoy making these choices. And when you get to that point, you know, you know you've won because that's what living a healthy lifestyle is all about. You know, you, you're not just making trade-offs and you're not just making healthy choices because you know it's what you should do. 
because you're scared to gain weight or, you know, to look a certain way, but it's because you enjoy it. It's because it makes you feel good and it makes you happy. And right. I think that that's somewhere that I think we all really strive to be, but maybe some people just don't quite know that what they want yet. But yeah, I would say, you know, I, I am incredibly happy with the balance that I have been able to strike over the course of, especially 2020 so far. Um, and, you know, despite quarantine, um, still being able to uh, be with my group of friends and, and we still do a lot of, you know, fun food things together and still making all of those things work. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a process and I don't want to paint the wrong picture of like, oh, it's this fun thing where we eat all what we want all the time. Um, but I think most people can reach a good place where they're actually enjoying making those healthy trade-offs most of the time. And then, you know, really enjoying the other times every now and again when they are having, you know, just an untracked meal of whatever they want and not worrying about it. Well, I think that people put this whole, like, fitness macro tracking on, like, a pedestal, right? Like, it's it's such a such an elite lifestyle that they can't ever get to or such an elite level of balance they can't ever get to. And I want to reiterate the fact that, like, with everything in life, it is a give and take. With anything in life, to truly master it, it is a give and take. If you wanted oh, yeah. to ace a test in college, but you love going out and drinking, if finals are coming up and this final is, you know, what your grade is writing on, your form of balance that week is probably not going out to drink. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. do you love it that week? No, like, oh, yeah, I would love to, every time I go out to eat, like, get what I, you know, random things. And, and maybe that's because I'm fresh off of prep, right? Maybe that's like, you know, I don't go out to eat very often. I'm currently not dating. So, you know, my friends and I, we're all very similar. So if we go out to eat, it's usually like a fun thing that we've had planned for a while. But point being like your vacation story. If you're going on vacation, yeah. same with me. And I know that I'm going to be eating out. Yeah, I'm probably going to get the egg whites and veggies in the morning. And then at night, I might get the pasta dish or something that's a little more decadent, right? But it's not going to be like pancakes for breakfast. And then afternoon, like something else, deep fried things. And then at night, just like engorging and pizza and all of that, right? Like, that makes sense to me. But I think people have a very hard time learning how to say no. And again, mm -hmm. I'm going to refer back to like the college example, because I had plenty of friends that for whatever reason, they were okay getting the C and going out and drinking because they didn't want their social life to suffer. And I think people have to understand that if your goal is to maintain a physique that you are comfortable with, which is likely a little bit smaller than what you are, because again, we're working with people who want to retrain their habits, things like that, then mm. you have to understand there is a give and take there, right? So I think identifying a goal and executing a goal are two separate things. And there's always going to be a give and take. I mean, that could be a whole nother podcast, but, um, oh, yeah. you know, I'll leave it at that. But, but bottom line is, as I totally agree with, with your mentality, your mindset and how you have um, kind of really embodied to me, like a very, very balanced fitness life. I think that you do a great job of that. Well, thank you. I like to You're think welcome. that I am getting better at it every day. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that, that's another thing to say, too. Like, just because you and I coach, like, there's always things that we're working on. I mean, you literally just said that your goal in 2020 was to create even more balance. And that's me, too. Like, I, one of my goals for me was to, uh, this might sound so silly, but having untracked meals on weekdays. Like, I know that sounds very bizarre, 
but for the longest time I'm like, oh no, like that's like a Saturday thing or that's like a Friday thing. You know what I mean? But like, oh yeah, wait, why can't I spontaneously get pancakes on a Wednesday? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, I love that. So, you know, like we're always working on things, but uh, bottom line, you don't have to track macros forever. And also, asterisk, asterisk, nothing is wrong with you if you do track your macros and have been. I would just argue that ask yourself, if you go out to dinner and you get a little bit of anxiety, I would encourage you to to work on those like unstructured meals. Do you have any tips on maybe how, like where to start? if you are new to untracked meals and maybe have a little anxiety around that? Yeah. I mean, I think also normalize a little bit of anxiety. If, you yep. know, track, if, if, you know, you're tracking macros and your, your fitness goals are, you know, at the forefront of your mind most of the time and they're very important to you, you know, maybe competing down the road is something you want to do, even if you're a lifestyle client now, or, you know, you just, really love this journey and you know you're very invested in your health and fitness normalize that anxiety a little bit if it's not overwhelming right it's a little bit of anxiety that's okay because it's like oh this is uncertain I get a little bit anxious when something is uncertain but then remind yourself you know that's okay Um, there's nothing wrong with me because I'm a little anxious but also like you know let's let's figure out how we can get through this and and just you know not freak out or make any bigger deal of this than it needs to be um, so I think, you know, don't make being a little anxious the devil either. But, um, you know, acknowledge I'm a little anxious. What does that mean, right? Should I, you know, what what is going to make me come out of this situation and come out of this meal feeling the best about the decisions that I made? Is it going to be putting the app away and not tracking it all together and just eating something that I enjoy? Is that something that I need to be working on right now? Or is it making an order that is both indulgent but also has some smart swaps in it so that, you know, I can leave feeling good with, you know, having both indulged but also making a decision that makes the meal overall better. Um, And so I think just reflecting with yourself if you have the chance for maybe just two minutes before you push order, before you go out to whatever eat, uh, restaurant you're at to eat, you know, before you before you jump into that situation and just, you know, enjoy the social nature of it, set expectations and analyze what it is you really need to be doing to come out of that situation feeling good about yourself and your decisions and, um, you know, what it is if you have a coach or if you're just working on this on your own, you know, what you need to be doing um, to work on what your goals really are, your true goals, right? And so um, I think having a coach is really paramount to that because, you know, you can set goals with them and they can hold you accountable to them and they can say, hey, when you go out to eat this meal, I want you to, you know, put your app away and I want you to make some smart decisions but also enjoy, um, you know, one thing that you're craving, right? And so, I think with untracked meals, it's just about setting expectations and it's about going in with a plan, even if that plan isn't numbers. Something that I also recommend and um, I find that this is kind of an easy stepping stone, um, especially when people do have that like restaurant phobia at first, you know, because I have some clients where they just like, they tell me that if they got to eat this, they don't have mentality because they're either going to get this 
outlet and feel comfortable or they just can't handle it. Um, that's like a very mm-hmm. real thing, which might sound crazy if you've never had any kind of anxiety. But one thing that I recommend doing is having an untracked meal at home. So literally, all I want you to do is eat the same chicken, sweet potato, veggie thing that you normally do. I just don't want you to use your food scale. So you oh, yeah. foods that you're comfortable with already to have an untracked meal with. So I think people need to disassociate untracked meal with half pound brownies and start associating untracked meals with just a meal that you're not literally putting in an app or weighing. Um, And I think that when you disassociate, when you're like, oh, you know what? Like that wasn't so scary. Then it's like, okay, cool. Once we've mastered that, the next step is, all right, I'm going to give you some guidelines for a restaurant. You know what I mean? Um, And that's kind of the approach that I usually take. So, again, it's case by case, but, you know, like I said, I, I really wanted to, to to talk about just, you know, macro tracking, why start, but also for both competitors and lifestyle clients, how there is an end goal of being able to repair those hunger cues and just be able to kind of live a more balanced life. And also, we're still learning ourselves. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, is there anything else that you want to add? Yeah, I just think um, on that last point that you made, it's uh, – I was about to lose my train of thought. Mm. No, I I guess I don't. My train of thought just, just <laughs> went. Um, just perfect. went. Well, go ahead and tell us, Marissa, where to find you on all platforms. Give us your IG handle. Yeah, definitely. So my IG handle, everything's pretty much the same. So IG handle is Marissa Roy Fitness. That's one R and two S's. Um, website is MarissaRoyFitness.com. I don't really use much else. Instagram is the main place that you can find me. Um, website is where all of my services are. Um, I do have a YouTube channel, and you can find it by searching Marissa Roy Fitness. But I haven't made a YouTube video in maybe two years, so <laughs> <laughs> it's good. In, it's good information that's on there. There's you know over a hundred videos, and I did put a lot into it back then. So there's there's good resources there. I uh, just have not touched on a bit. But yeah, um, that's I pretty love much your it. emails. I will say you guys should subscribe Ooh, to yeah. the emails because they are amazing. You can find the information on her website, but. Marissa, as always, it was wonderful talking to you, and thanks for joining. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Tailored Living Podcast. If you're looking for any nutrition, coaching, programming, or a combination, head over to tailoredtraining.com. You can always send me an email at trainwithtaylor at gmail.com. And of course, follow me on Instagram at taylorfit.com.